You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Kana Supers family. Today, I'll be introducing a new midweek topic called What Do Those Stats Mean? I'll be here, solo, choosing three different stats to break down and give a little bit of context around those stats and, and what they mean for the season and for the Timberwolves as a whole. Obviously, the games are coming thick and fast, so I won't be focusing on it on a single game most of the time or or a, a single stat from the box score from each night. I'll be focusing more on trends or, or talking points and, and coming at these stats from a variety of different angles. So let's jump straight into it. Tonight, we are going to start with a couple of numbers from tonight's game, but but also something that has become a little bit of a trend, and that's that's Carl Anthony Towns, and, it's, and the number, the statistic is one. And that's the number of three-point shots Cat attempted tonight and the amount of shots that he made from three. Uh, April 7th, 2019 was the last time that Carl Anthony Towns attempted less than two triples in a game. That's almost two years now, 22 months since that happened. And that was obviously under the Thibodeau regime where Towns' strengths certainly weren't prioritized or maximized. Tonight is obviously very different. Ryan Saunders is the coach. Gerson Roses is the man pulling the strings in the front office and both of those guys have repeatedly, almost exhaustingly, emphasized how building around towns and squeezing every last drop of his talent uh, out of him is at the utmost importance of the franchise. And if that's the case, and it really should be, why is Towns a career 40% shooter from deep and arguably the best shooting big man the planet has ever seen, attempting just a single triple? And on top of that, why has he attempted fewer than five threes in five of the eight games that he's featured in this season? To me, it's a combination of a few things. I think it starts with Towns himself. Cat doesn't seem to be adjusting to the to his new role quite as quickly as maybe some of us had hoped and, and adjusting to playing with ultra-talented scorers like Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley. These guys who are guys who want the ball, they want their shots, and I think Towns is just trying to find a balance between getting those guys involved and and keeping himself fed as well. Right now, I think he's erring to the side of unselfishness just a touch too much. I think unselfishness is a rare and high-quality trait to find in, a, in superstar offensive players, but it's also a tight rope to tiptoe. Uh, against the Lakers and in multiple games thus far, maybe not to to the extent of the the one three point shot he put up against this against the Los Angeles Lakers, but Towns has passed down semi open shots to try and keep the ball swinging and to get these fairly new teammates involved. And on the surface, that's a good thing, but 
Towns is an elite shooter and an all-round force offensively. And I think sometimes he just needs to be a bit more selfish. I think that will come. And this game might be the figurative straw that, that breaks the camel's back in that sense. I know after the game he did mention that he would have liked to get more touches in the fourth quarter. He would have liked to get more shots. And I think the fan base and probably the organization feels the same. So I think something to keep an eye on is how he deals with the, with shooting more and, and getting himself more involved because it's not just uh, external pressures that are, that are making him shoot less. It's, it's also on him. He has been far too unselfish at times. And like I said, that is a good thing. You want your superstars to be unselfish. You want them to be team players. But at times, especially games where, you know, you lose by eight points to a really good team and, and you might have had a chance to win, uh, you need Towns taking shots and you need him to be aggressive and to be dominant. And right now, I just don't think he is. He's, he's probably still working himself back into shape as well. He obviously missed a lot of time through the, the wrist injury and, and the COVID case. But I think now's the time that, that he kind of gets that shape back. He, he's played four games now. So it'd be nice to see him really put his foot down uh, in the next games and, and for the rest of the season. The second reason that I think this is happening is his teammates. Like Towns, they are trying to figure out how to play with him. And he's trying to figure out how to play with them. It, it does go both ways. Uh, whether it's Ricky Rubio or, or Beasley or Anthony Edwards, the ball handlers on this team have missed Towns on open pick-and-pop jumpers far too often this season. Uh, you, you can picture it in your head, uh, you know, coming off a screen and Towns pops uh, and he's open for that one, two-second gap and and the ball handler misses him and they don't make that pass. And... and it's crucial that they do, and they and they need to in the future. I, I do think soon enough that they'll realize that he doesn't need the same sort of space to make threes that some of the other bigs that, that Beasley or Rubio or Edwards have played with need. He he just needs a sliver of space is enough for, for it to be an efficient shot for Cat. With a defender between two and four feet away, which is considered tightly guarded, Towns is shooting 33% from three. A very high number, considering that's pretty much with a guy right in your face. When that defender is four to six feet away, which is considered open, but but not wide open, Towns are shooting 50% on 2.3 three-point attempts per game. That's scorching hot. And you've got to feed him when he gets that space. And on the other hand, he needs to be shot ready and shot willing, like we just discussed. The final reason, I think, for Towns low three-point frequency is the big one, and, and that's obviously coaching. Now, if you've listened to the show, you probably know that I've harped on about this before, and I'm sure I'll do it more in the future. But the way this coaching staff negates Towns by refusing to use him as a shooter is strange and borderline malpractice, to be honest. Uh, I'm not talking about as a pick-and-pop shooter. Any big man can space behind the line after setting the screen. Any big man can knock down you know, any stretch five or stretch four can knock down open shots coming off that. But Towns is not any big man. He's not any stretch five. I'm talking about using him as an actual shooter, as a player that, you know, a perimeter player that, that shoots a lot of threes. I want, I think Towns should be used like that. I'm talking about running sets specifically designed to get Towns open behind the arc, whether it's pin downs, 
hammer action where he comes off a screen into the corner for a three. Elevated doors where he works through two screens in the middle and, and pops out to the three-point line. The whole works. I, I think they all need to be a part of Saunders' playbook. Towns, as I said, just isn't a normal big man. He's nimble. He's very smart at creating space. And his footwork and touch on jumpers is probably the best the league has ever seen for someone his size. Use him that way. That's how you maximize him. That's how you win games off the back of him. Obviously, you still want him going into the post. You still want to run that wedge action where you can get him in the post and and draw double teams and kick the shooters. That stuff can all still be there. But I think purely using him as a pick-and-pop big and a pick-and-pop big that doesn't get the ball enough in pick-and-pop situations is really minimizing his talent. And I think it's, it's hard to to figure out how this team is going to get better unless Towns starts shooting 7, 8, 9, 10 threes a game. Last season, he was like almost 8 a game. This season, he's well under that. So, as I said, if you want to win, you have to use Towns the right way. We know that this franchise harps on about using Towns the right way, and I think it's time that they they show that via the playbook, via the sets that they run. And by instilling in his teammates that that he needs to get the ball behind the three-point line for shots not just for touches but for shots as much as possible uh let's take a quick break and we'll come back with with stat number two get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jumping into stat number two, and we're going to focus on Carthony Towns again, but this time we're going to bring Anthony Edwards into the equation and focus on some positives. And the key positive out of Towns' return has been that the ease in which Edwards is getting to the rim and the efficient and the efficiency he's posting when he gets there. Here's the stat. In the opening 24 games of the season, 20 of which came without Towns, obviously, in the lineup, Edwards shot 48.7% at the rim. That's well below average, to say the least. In the four games since Towns' return, Edwards has shot 84.2% at the rim. Yep, you heard that correctly. According to NBA.com, Edwards has shot 84.2% at the rim over the past four games. Um, The key here is the enormous shot gravity that Towns creates when he's on the floor. Despite not taking enough threes like we just discussed, Towns is still setting up camp on the perimeter a ton, and that inevitably draws rim protectors out of the paint. 
you just cannot go into a deep drop coverage and, and leave towns open on the, on the perimeter. You just can't. So that means the lane is so much less congested for Ant to use his God-given talents to get downhill. Instead of facing a standstill shot blocker at the rim, Edwards is facing a rotation wing or a weak side shot blocker who has to cover ground to get over there and contest. With Edwards' strength and his touch on both hands, his athleticism, it, it makes it virtually impossible for defenders to to get into a position to successfully negate him at the rim. And as a result, Minnesota's team efficiency is skyrocketing. Overall, it's still fairly pedestrian, but their field goal percentage at the rim is up from 57.5 before Cat's return. And then in the last four games, it's 63.5%. That 57.5% before Cat return, that was dead last in the lead. Over the past four games, it's 23rd in the lead, uh, in the lead, league-wide. Still not good, but obviously a clear improvement. And that all comes from Anthony Edwards getting to the rim and not... Obviously, it helps everywhere else as well. It helps Malik Beasley get to the rim. We've seen Ricky Rubio play better at the rim lately. We've seen the whole team can operate in more space when Towns is out there spacing the floor. It's as simple as that. And it really doesn't have to go that much deeper than that. We've seen how much the the Towns-Edwards pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop has paid dividends for Ant. And that's because when those when he comes around that screen... Defenders can't trap him. Big man can't drop back into the paint because they need to have a body on Anthony Towns. That's just the way it is. If you don't, Towns are going to score 40. And if you do, then Anthony Edwards is getting down the hill and getting to the rim. And as I said, 84.2%. Like, that's unbelievable. Obviously, it's it's a pretty small sample size and it's important to denote that these numbers come in that sample size and likely isn't going to hit eight out of every 10 shots he shoots at the rim. That's just an unrealistic expectation for him. But he's clearly making huge strides there. And I think applying rim pressure consistently is the best way to maximize him. Obviously, it maximizes him as a scorer. He hasn't been the best jump shooter this season. You can tell that the jump shot is there. It just needs to be honed and harnessed and enhanced to get to the, to the place where he will eventually. But right now, he's not the best jump shooter. And that means you want him to get to the rim because right now he, he, he's getting to the rim well and now he's finishing. And that's because of that space. And, and that's the best way to maximize him as a scorer. And it's also the best way to optimize him as a drive and kick player. We've seen numerous times this season where he gets to the rim and he kicks out to the shooter. And it's either the corner or the slot. And that's the stuff that's been exciting people because not, uh, not a lot of people thought that Anthony Edwards had that consistent vision and that consistent passing nous in his game. And when a defense collapses, and he's got three guys in front of him, and they're all rotation guys coming off the corner or coming off the, the shooter in the slot, that's when he can become a playmaker as well. And when he starts making plays for others and making plays for himself, he just gets real hard to guard, man. And it's it's fun to see this development, and it's fun to see what him and Towns can do together. And now that D'Angelo Russell's out for four to six weeks with, with the knee surgery, we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a lot of Anthony Edwards running the pick and roll, handling the ball like he did tonight against the Lakers. And he obviously scored 28 points. He had five assists, seven rebounds. This is the Anthony Edwards 
I don't I wouldn't say this is the Anthony Edwards that we need to come to expect because they're obviously bonkers numbers for a rookie to put up consistently. But this is the stuff he can do with a with a space floor and with room to operate around the rim. So to me that that has been the most exciting thing since since Towns returned and hopefully we we get to see a bit more of it as Edwards grows and as the game starts to roll on without without D'Angelo Russell in the lineup. All right. Final stat for the night. Finish things off here. I want to pivot to everybody's other favorite rookie, and that's Jaden McDaniels. Specifically, how much better the Wolves have been when, when Big Mac is on the floor. Per 100 possessions, Minnesota are 3.1 points better offensively when McDaniels is on the floor. That ranks in the 68th percentile lead-wide. Per 100 possessions, they are 7.7 points better defensively when he's on the floor. That ranks in the 89th percentile league-wide. Overall, the Wolves are 10.8 points better per 100 possessions when he is on the court, and that ranks in the 87th percentile league-wide. At the start, you know, at the start of the season, when McDaniel's was just starting to get minutes and just starting to to blossom in this role, these numbers seemed and probably were inflated and just something that was born out of a rookie making an early splash and and surprising teams who have probably never heard of him and and never scouted him. But his 350-minute sample size is now big enough for it to be a trend and not an an anomaly. This is a kid who, despite playing a low-usage role and shooting under 40% from the field, is consistently uplifting his team and, and helping them outscore opponents. There isn't too much really to dive into with McDaniels, and that's the beauty of it. What you see is what you get. Offensively, he just isn't going to overdo things. He's going to space the floor and shoot corner jumpers. Cleaning the glass has him at 48% on corner three-point attempts so far this season. Elite. When that shot isn't there, he's going to attack a closeout and kick the ball out, or he's going to get the ball out of his hands immediately and recycle possession. On a team with so many offensive cooks in the kitchen, and we spoke about that with Towns at the start, how everyone's still adjusting to to their new roles and to find ways to, to keep everyone happy. It's it's crucial that you have a guy like Jaden McDaniels, a guy with that wherewithal and, and willingness to accept a role. It's crucial, as I said. It's It's been something that players like Juancho Hernan Gomez and Joshua Cody have struggled with. They've struggled to shine in their role, and, and that's what McDaniels is doing right now offensively. And then defensively, it's much of the same. He doesn't step out of his lane. He's going to provide constant limbs and athleticism and just timing as a rotation shot blocker. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, thinking the most recent memory in my head is from tonight's game against the Lakers. And, you know, he swatted LeBron. He got another block early in the game. He He's going to fight tooth and nail to stay with his man. Despite weighing as much as a sack of oranges and, and having to deal with screens set by grown-ass men. The simplicity of his game and the knowledge of his role is the best part about McDaniels. It's something he struggled with at Washington and probably a fairly big reason he fell so far on draft night. And I just think that straight away he's come in and he's shown that 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 was more a product of situation or a product of maybe a little bit of immaturity. But he's grown up now and he's starring in his role. The, the, The term 3 and D has been an NBA buzzword for years now, and it's very often, I think, overused or or miscast onto players. But so far, McDaniels really does fit that bill perfectly. 
He's going to take and make threes, and he's going to defend for his life. And and every team needs one of those guys. And as it stands, it, it looks like Minnesota have found theirs. So, as I said, there's not much else to it than that with with Jaden McDaniels. He plays in his lane, and his lane is a productive player. And we're seeing that in the stats: ten ten point eight points better per one hundred possessions when he's on the court. Like that's not a coincidence and some of it comes maybe because of the guys who are behind him or the guys who he's replacing the lineup the likes of Hernan Gomez and Akoji and and guys who have struggled this season but it also comes from him just just playing that role perfectly and doing what is required in this system so long live Jaden McDaniel's role player minutes because so far they've been very fun on a team that has provided very little fun for us throughout the season so that's all we have for today. I, I do hope you enjoyed this new little segment that I'll be bringing you weekly. Please drop some feedback to me on Twitter. You can find me at, at Jake Painting. Every like, share, rating, subscription, all of that's always appreciated. And, and yeah, I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>